Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is September the 3rd, 2020. It is a Thursday. It's going to be a Just Jack show today. If you are tuning in on YouTube, this is not usual that I record an entire podcast. But I thought this would be a good one today, and it really ties in with some of the YouTube videos I've been putting out lately. For everybody on the audio cast, you won't miss anything by not seeing the video. This will be a typical podcast. I just thought this would be a good way to do a couple things today. I want to let you all know as I start out today uh, what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk. The, the title of today's episode is There's a Better Way to Do This. And if you're a long-term listener to the show, you know that's a line out of our theme song, a song that I co-wrote with Greg Goes. Mm. And... Uh, What we're really talking about today, though, is getting out of the cities kind of one more time. A lot of times I'll get on a topic, and I'll beat it up pretty hard, and then I realize, like, okay, I've said enough about this. This is a variety show. We need to go on to something else, and and, and we're going to kind of do that. We did an episode of Unloose the Goose last night, episode eight, where we talked about city zoning and planning and the role that that plays along with concepts like Agenda 21 in making a decision to get the hell out of what I call these flashpoint cities. But the reason I'm doing this episode is that I began to put some videos out recently on YouTube saying, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I started to get some weird, to me anyway, at first, it seemed like some weird pushback. Um, people accusing me of basically being a coward, screaming to run away from a fight, and you can't run away from communism or whatever. And as I took the time to actually understand where these people were coming from. I realized that probably the pushback is mostly because these people don't know who the hell I am. And if you're watching the video now on YouTube and you're one of those people, give this a shot. Um, yeah, I think it's important to understand that my call to get out of the cities, and specifically certain cities in certain states, is not new. And those of you who have been around a while, you know this. I, I started this show in June of 2008, so it's more than 12 years ago. And within the first episode or two, I would say, maybe not episode, first week or two of the show, so the first 20 episodes, I guarantee you I said, get out of the cities. And when I say that, I don't mean run off to the middle of the, the, the foothills of the Bitterroot Mountains. So that's a hell of a beautiful place to be, and if you want to be there, go there. But I don't mean to, to, to you know head to the center of the Bob Marshall Wilderness or something, Um I mean, go where you really want to be, but it probably isn't where you think it is if you think it is in the cities. And so I wanted to do today's episode from the standpoint of I'm not talking about running away from anything. I'm talking about running to something. I'm talking about, in the words of the credo of my show that's been around, again, like 12 years, building a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. So we don't just plan for failure at the Survival Podcast. We don't just plan for if the shit hits the fan. We plan for, well, what if it doesn't? Uh, there's the old saying, if you, if, you don't, uh, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And, and I believe that that's true, but I also believe if you only plan for failure, you're planning to fail. I mean, that's a pretty easy thing to understand, I think, in our world today, that if, if you don't, 
have a, a plan for the world to actually be pretty much okay, and you are only planning for failure, then you make some really bad decisions. You sell all your stock when you should be holding it. Um, you quit your job when you should be keeping it. You don't worry about debt because who cares, right? And so you let your debt run away. There's a lot of You go out and buy a bunch of shit you don't need. There's a lot of things, that, especially in the prepper world, preppers do, that are not really in their best interest. If you have 47 cases of MRE stacked to the roof of your basement, it's probably not the best way to spend your budget on preparedness. And so when I come at this and I tell you to get out of these flashpoint cities, I want to be clear that I'm not telling you to run away just because of these riots. These riots that are going on right now and some other developments, the way that certain cities have allowed their homeless population to, you know, spend their time shitting in the street and, and not doing anything about it are just the last straw on the top of a very, very tired camel who I've been advising to get a new, new camel job for a long time. So that's where we're coming from today. And I want to start out with a quote of the day. And this is by one of my biggest mentors, a man named Jeff Lawton. A lot of you guys, he's on our expert council. He answers questions on the show all the time. Um, but many of you, again, with, with YouTube, I'm, I'm, and I love this. I'm getting people listening to me now that are they're brand new. And I guess that's always gone on, but it seems like this subject has brought a ton of people uh, to my message that have no idea who or what a Jack Spirico is. So Jeff is from, the, and if that's the case, you may not know who Jeff is. Jeff is the, probably the top permaculturist in the world, which is designing natural systems is all I'm going to explain it as today. It's much deeper than that. But he was speaking of designing what you would think of as horticultural or agricultural food production systems when he said this. But permaculture is much bigger than that. And he said, if you're not having fun, you've got the design wrong. You're not having fun, you got the design wrong. So if you hate your garden, you designed it wrong. If you hate your homestead, you designed it wrong. You, you, you've, you've done something wrong in the design process. When you sat down and thought about, well, I'm going to put this garden over here, for instance, a common mistake with gardening is, well, we'll put it out by the back fence. Why? Oh, it's out of the way. Okay. And, and how are we going to set it up? Well, we'll, you know, the fence goes this way, so we line the garden up with the fence. Well, is that the way that the sun says it makes sense to put your garden? Does that really make sense, or did you just do it because it lined up with the fence and it looked right? And now that it's far away, does it get really weedy because you only get out there a couple times a week, and then you don't feel like it on some days, and maybe it goes three or four weeks without weeding it. And if it was much closer, and we call a zone one in permaculture, to where when you walk out you see it, and instead of saying, well, it's, it's, it's unsightly because it's a garden, it was actually close to you, then you might actually take better care of it. It might be easy because you do a little bit every day instead of a whole lot every three or four weeks. And you make sure you keep it irrigated and stuff like that. So if you design it right, that naturally happens. So what that has to do with the cities and, and getting out of them is that one of the common themes that I've found in a lot of people's lives in America today is they're not happy. And maybe that's why they spend, that's my granddaughter in the background, it's a hazard of the podcast. Um, one of the reasons that they spend so much time with their head up the ass of the media, and I know you're enlightened and you, you don't watch you know MSM media or whatever, you go to alternative media or whatever, but people actually seek out anger 
They seek out things to be enraged by, offended by, and upset by. And the right's no better about it than the left. They just have a different thing that triggers them. And you have to ask yourself, why would a person who already knows that a lot of things out there suck spend hour upon hour upon hour of every day kind of bathing in these things that make them even more upset and more angry? And, and, and the reason that's the case is when people are unhappy, they actually tend to comfort themselves, believe it or not, with more unhappiness. They actually fear being joyful. They fear enjoying their life to the real core. Because the problem with it is, it's like breaking a loneliness cycle. If you've ever lived alone or by yourself, you know that eventually you, you get to a point where it's actually pretty easy and it's kind of enjoyable to be alone. It's quiet, it's peaceful, you can do what you want when you want the way that you want. You know, I, I grew up hunting and fishing. I spent a lot of time alone on the side of a trout stream or up in a deer stand. And, and it doesn't bother me. But when you, Spent when you live alone and you don't have friends around and you're there for a long time like that, weeks or months, and somebody visits, you know, you tend to kind of like verbally vomit on them at first because you're finally talking to somebody. And then when they go away, loneliness kicks back in and it sucks because you broke the cycle. Now you have a contrast. If I put a white letter on a white background, you can't read it. If I put a white letter on a light gray background, you can read it a little bit. But if I put a white letter on a black background, it shows up really bright. It's easy to see. Contrast creates um, this, this situation where the negative becomes more prominent. So people are actually more comfortable staying miserable than being happy. And that, I think, is one of the reasons that people resist improving their lives. And really doing the work necessary because leaving is not a solution unless you know why you're leaving and where you're going and you're running to something, not away from something. And again, I want to reiterate, there's nothing new about my message to get out of the cities. And I think it'll help you understand why some people are so opposed to this message right now. It's false bravado. The number one people I'm hearing like really get kind of mouthy in the comments, and you just look stupid when you're mouthy in a text comment, by the way. I'm just saying. Um, they're all, I'm former military, and they post their unit they were part of or whatever. And look, that, you, know what that, you know what that'll get you? If you kid up like one of the Boogaloo boys and go into one of these riots and confront rioters with, with your, your guns or whatever, or get in a shooting confrontation or whatever, it'll get you maybe a pat on the back from the very nice police officer who will handcuff you, shove you on your face, and stuff you in the back of a squad car. It won't buy you anything. It won't mean anything. It won't help you. And there's a lot of people that aren't former military, kind of the same attitude. And this is what I find interesting. So I've had this message for over 12 years. Nobody got that way last year or the year before or the year before or the year before, and the message is the same. These cities suck. Get out and get out now. But now all of a sudden everybody wants to bow their chest up and be Mr. Badass and just get back with a sniper rifle and pick them off. That's an actual dumbass comment that one of my videos got. Just start picking them off. Maybe they'll go away. No, maybe you'll go away for the rest of your life or into the gas chamber or with a lethal injection depending on what state you live in. And these people saying this shit, they don't really mean it. It's a sentiment 
that they're venting their anger with, but they're not go they're clearly they're not out there doing it. And I found it also interesting that when I've had longer conversations with these folks trying to understand them, almost all of them don't live in the places I'm saying to get out of. Isn't that interesting? Turns out, you know, they live in Omaha or something when they don't have these problems. But then they want the person who's in, you know, Portland who's 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 got you know, takes their kid to the park and there's homeless people strung out on heroin all over the place, taking a crap under the monkey bars, and they want that person to stay there. But you know what's doing it is ego. If there wasn't nothing wrong with the message last year, and now all of a sudden the same message is met with, that's running away from commies, you're a pussy, whatever. Like, then that's your ego instead of your your, your intellect. And we should not make decisions about how we live and where we live and who we associate with based on ego. That is a recipe for disaster. So let's talk about some intellectual reasons, some logical reasons for getting out of these cities. And, and, and whether or not your city qualifies as one of these cities is something you must determine for yourself. I will say this. If in the past few months your city has burned, then you do qualify under my definition of a flashpoint city. And as preppers, we talk about bugging out an awful lot. And we talk about the cities burning. And it also amazes me so many preppers now, they're letting this ego get in the way of their logic because they've been all about bugging out their whole damn life. Some of them own bug out locations. They read prepper porn and, and damn near pleasure themselves while they're doing it. And all of a sudden, you talk about bugging out strategically with your entire life instead of hiding a cabin, and, and, and they consider that hiding. And again, that's that ego-driven shit. And so I'm going to probably one of these eight bullet points here will have something to do with the riots, but the other seven won't have anything to do with the riots. Again, this is the last straw on the back of the camel. So first of all, Lack of land use and freedom. Land use freedom. In other words, can you do whatever you want to do with the property that you spent a lot of your time and your life working for in order to have? Or do you have to get somebody's permission? A lot of you live in a place where something as simple as you go down to Home Depot or Lowe's, say, you know what, I want a storage building. All right? It's not some tin shack that looks like the Beverly Hillbillies live in it. It's a nice, tough shit. You go down there and you look for one, the one you want. You got that big one there with a loft in it. That's about right. And you talk to the nice little man behind the counter, and he sets up an appointment for somebody to come out and stall it for you. And he says, wait a minute, you live in so-and-so district or whatever. Do you have a permit? You're like, what? Oh, yeah, you need a, we, we can't have our installer come over there and do this without a permit. If you get a permit to put a shed in your backyard. That's just one example of many examples where this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I believe that when you live somewhere and you've expended your 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 sweat and your blood and your tears working, whether it was through a business you own or through employment, and you realize that American dream of owning a home and you buy your land, it's yours. Crazy that, that, that it would be yours, and you should be able to do what you want to with it. If I want to put a shed up on my property, I put a shed up on my property. If I want to put a cross fence in, I put a fence in. If I want to put a pond in, I put a pond in. If I want to put a pool in, I put a pool in. 
If I want to have chickens, I get chickens. If I want to get ducks, I have ducks, and I have both. Want some dogs running around, they can run around in my yard. I fence the yard in so the dogs don't bother the neighbors, but no one comes here and tells me my dog needs to be wearing a, a license to be a dog. I have complete and total freedom, and I don't live in the middle of nowhere. For those who don't know me, Fort Worth is about 25 minutes away, downtown Fort Worth. Fort Worth didn't burn during all this shit. Fort Worth is a city run by Republicans. I'm not part of the false dichotomy. We'll get to this later, but what I've said before is, The way people vote does tell you how they think, and you understand the people that you're around and you're in communion with. And that's a really important thing when we're making a decision about where to go. But I'm just going to tell you this is only going to get worse. And, and we'll talk about more about how it's going to get worse in a little bit. But my number one reason that I want people to get out of these cities and get out of these city suburbs, these beltway suburbs, is so that you can do... Whatever it is that you want to do with your own land. So next up, taxation. And this is something that's not just city-based. This is state-based. I really think you should think about giving yourself a raise. The way I look at it, the state, and when I say the state, I don't mean the state of Texas. I mean the state as an entity. Federal government, local government, county, all of it. The state is my enemy. And I'm not kidding when I say that. The state is my enemy. The state who's supposed to protect the people who I've watched stand by and stand down while rioters burn people's homes and businesses is my enemy. That's only one reason they're my enemy. They're my re enemy for many reasons. Chief among the reason I consider the state is my enemy, and I, I bet you that even if you are having a hard time with me saying that, that what I'm about to say is going to be true for you too. There are things the state does with my money that they take against my will that I consider reprehensible. I don't just consider them things that I don't want. I consider them things that are immoral. I think the state does immoral things with my money. And, and this is why it's universal, because the state does so many things with money that they steal that almost everybody, from people on the extreme left to the extreme right to people that are more of an agorist, voluntarist like myself, etc., all of us can agree, maybe not on the thing that does this, but there are things that we consider immoral done with our money. And the, the states, lowercase 50 states within the republic, are not immune to this. In fact, in many ways, they're, they're more guilty of it. The, and, and I want you to think about something else with government. People think the federal government is the big oppressor. And it, I'm not saying that they don't oppress, but the, the truth is, in a, in a system of government like we have, in a, in a republic, the smaller body of government is the most oppressive. And I know it seems counterintuitive, but I'll, I'll explain it from, to you from this way. The federal government has its laws and its rules and its regulations and its codes. They exist. Now we go down to a state, let's say New York. New York, unless it stands under the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, which it doesn't, can do nothing about any of those laws, rules, regulations, codes, etc. that the federal government put in. The only thing New York can then do is what? add more laws and regulations and codes and taxes, etc. So they increase the burden on your liberty. Now we go down to a county in New York. The county does not put up any resistance to the state's laws, codes, regulations, and taxes. It adds more. Okay. Then you get down to something like a city, and then the city adds more. So every layer of government within a republic 
adds to your burden against your liberty and your freedom. You see how that works? Because all they can do is that. And then some of you guys are so mentally defective that you're like, you know, four layers of government is not enough government in my life. I'd like a fifth one. And you create your own private government known as an HOA, which can only serve to add more cost and more burden against your liberty. So when I'm looking at getting out in a tax stance, then I want to, first of all, look for a state. I'm not just talking about getting out of a city now. Now I'm talking about getting out of a state. I want a state that either has very, very low or no tax on my income. I'm far less worried about a sales tax because there's so many creative ways to avoid sales taxes. Right? And, and we won't get into those today, but if you listen to my show, we talk about all the time how to use barter, how to use cryptocurrency, how to be a voluntarist, how to use counter-economics, how to make your own things, how to avoid sin taxes through making your own alcohol or, or what have you. Like, There's so many ways around that. I choose to buy something or not. When you tax my income, it is to me the, the worst tax that there is because you're taxing my productivity. So simply by moving... You can actually increase your income simply by having less of it taken away from you. And with the changes to the federal income tax system, doubling the standard deduction and eliminating the SALT deductions, there's no advantage to living in these high-tax state environments, high-tax counties, etc. So high taxes are another reason to leave, not just riots. And they will only get worse. Do you really think that these cities and these counties and these states that are having all of this pressure put on them because others are leaving. I just saw an article where it was a, there was a fleet. So it was somewhere in Manhattan or the Bronx or some, somewhere in New York. I think it was like the Lower West Side is where it was. It literally looked like a convoy of like Ryder and U-Haul trucks leaving. So as all these productive people leave, and the tax base erodes, but the city is just as greedy as it ever was, the county as it was, and the state as it was, you think you're going to lower your taxes? No, now there's less people to tax. they got to raise them. So your taxes are going to keep going up. And then right in there, an ongoing migration of the most productive people are already leaving. This is also not new. It was probably six or seven years ago was the first time I pointed out the discrepancy of renting a U-Haul in Los Angeles and driving it to, let's say, Dallas, Texas, versus the cost of renting a U-Haul in Dallas and driving it to L.A. The Dallas to L.A. rate five years ago was about 60% less than the L.A. to Dallas rate. And the reason, I'm sorry, about 40% less than the L.A. to Dallas rate. And, and the reason for that was that U-Haul knew if they wanted to get a truck back to Dallas, like it was a Dallas truck and it went to L.A. and you needed to get it back to Dallas, you could do it. You could do it. But there was a very good chance that if that truck went from L.A. to Dallas, it was never coming back. And that was five years ago. With the suicidal mindset of these cities... Of let's just let homeless people shit everywhere. Let's just not, let's just tax the shit out of people. The most productive people are leaving. Then COVID hit. Tons of people started working from home because of technology like we're using to do this podcast. People are like, I can do this anywhere else. Really quickly did that math about, well, not real happy with the way things are going around here. I can keep my income 
And I can move to Sheboyganville or something like that. It's a town I've made up just to be, you know, a random small town somewhere. And uh, I can move there, and all of a sudden I have more money and a bigger house and more land and more freedom and the same income. And even in some situations, it turns out these companies will actually say, well, now that you don't live in the city proper, you're in, you know, there's like a cost of living differential that goes away. You still come out way ahead. Now, the other group that's leaving and leaving in droves are entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs like myself. I don't have any need to be in Texas to do what I do for a living. I don't have to. I like it here. I came here fully of my own choice. This is where I want to live. This is where I have maximum freedom economically, maximum freedom for my land use, etc. I've made that decision consciously. If there was a DSL connection on the moon and a nice little dome up there that I can live under in the middle of a crater, I could do my job from the moon. I might have a hard time getting Amazon deliveries, but you get my point. I am not tied down. I am a productive stand-up member of my community. My neighbors are happy that I'm here. But if I were living you know, in the outskirts of Seattle or Philadelphia or Chicago or uh, any place like that, then you can bet I would be picking up and leaving. And then even a lot of more brick-and-mortar type entrepreneurs and things like that, if you know how to build a business, you can rebuild it somewhere else. So COVID hits, their doors shut. This has caused this massive exodus. It's from the test drive effect of people getting to do it and employers getting to see how it works, closing down entire office complexes and just saying, let everybody work from home. They were all afraid if they sent you home to work from home, you would screw off all day and not get anything done. But once they sent everybody and people did their jobs, they're like, shit, this works. Why do we have this five-story building in L.A. that costs us just a shitload of money? We don't really need it. Or maybe we need a small facility for the people that actually have to be here, like, say, shipping and receiving, and everybody else's logistical will just send them home and get a smaller facility. And so you have the best, the most affluent, the hardest working, the most productive people in these cities are leaving. <laughs> when you take the best away, your aggregate average of quality goes down. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, but you might want to start looking at the people around you because this exodus is real. How about this? A schools, Now, I think the schools have a problem everywhere, and I'm a huge advocate of home-based learning. Whether you do what I do, which is basically my, my grandson, we, we homeschool him, but he's really not homeschooled. We have a private school called Excellus Academy that he attends online. That's that's one way. There's unschooling. There's straight-up old-school homeschooling. There's all these options. I recommend getting your kids out of school. But there's no doubt that a child going to a school in Philadelphia or its suburbs or Chicago or its suburbs, even the nice ones, right, or Seattle, or Portland, or any of these, these flashpoint cities where this shit's going down, they're literally being brainwashed in their schools. They're being taught, if they're, if they're, if they're you know, cisgendered white kids, to hate themselves and to despise their parents. Again, the state is your enemy. The state is your enemy. Malcolm X once said, quite famously, and so spot on, only a fool, only a fool, would let his enemy educate his children. 
And if you're sending your kids to these schools, and I don't care if you're doing online virtual learning now, you are sending your children to your enemy to be educated by your enemy. And people get really upset with that because teachers are heroes and don't wear capes and shit. I'm sorry. The teacher is only as good as their base level ability as an individual plus the curriculum that they're required to teach. And they are being, so the teachers, understand the teachers went to the collegiate system where they were brainwashed to be self-loathing, self-deprecating, and believe in this social justice crap. And now they think they're doing the right thing when they're teaching the curriculum that teaches this to your kids. While I recommend you get them out of school, I can promise you that a kid is going to be subject to less of this shit in a place like North Central Texas or Central Nebraska than they are on the West or the East Coast or places like Chicago. And so it'd be another thing I would check if I was going to move. Stop looking at schools and judging how good a school is because of its test scores. It's a bullshit metric that they use to justify charging you more property taxes. People always tell me the schools are better there. I'm like, better at what? Indoctrination? Brainwashing? What, what are they better at? You want to know what the curriculum is. They're teaching this freaking common core garbage, right? They're teaching this concept that, that basically race matters. They're teaching racism. They're teaching racism and they're teaching it in a way that is teaching young white kids to be racist against themselves and their parents. And this is more in these cities than it is anywhere else. That's another reason to leave. And it's been getting worse and you're not going to change it. You're not going to go fight this in Portland or fight this in Seattle. It's not going to happen. So leave. You're worth too much and your children are worth too much to stay in these places. Next, on the note that you're not going to change it, these places, I'm hearing, there's going to be a great awakening and whatever. Maybe there will, nationally. Maybe there will by people like you deciding, I'm not contributing to this mess anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else and build something in a place where people value what I'm building and not because they can steal from it. But these cities like Portland, etc., have been in the hands of Democrats for 50 to 100 years or more. Most of you watching this video today, there's never been a time when you were alive. When the, If you take the top 50 cities for crime, high taxes, and problems, all of them were not under Democrat control in the last 50 years. So if you think you're going to change this, you're wrong. You're not going to. You have to accept that people in a republic have a great deal, at least for now anyway, of local autonomy. And the majority of people in those places have decided what they want. And it's a vast majority. So what is your end game if you think you're going to change it? Are you going to you know, basically become the dictator and tell people how they're going to live? Isn't that the very thing that you're opposed to? Isn't that the thing, the biggest problem you have with these people? Within our republic, we have this freedom of movement. We have the ability to walk to freedom. And it goes somewhere where people are more in touch with our ideals. You're not changing these flashpoint cities. And they're going to get worse before they get any better. Next, 
This is a, a triggering phrase for some people. And if you're new to me, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. I have a, a high degree of skepticism with a lot of conspiracy theories. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is open and black and white, and you can read it. There is a movement that is a global movement sold through local action called Agenda 21. And what it's designed to do is pack as many people into the cities as they can and open up these vast swaths of supposed nature. Now, I know that if you're an environmentalist, you're thinking, well, that's good. First of all, understand that we do not have a problem in, in America without enough natural land. There's more wilderness in North America, there's more wilderness in the United States than there is in Africa if we don't count Alaska. If you've ever driven across this country, you know we have vast swaths of, of, of wooded, mountainous, and I'm all for more, but not at the expense of people's quality of life and cramming them in like cockroaches in a roach motel, which is what Agenda 21 is. It's to take these cities and say, okay, we have single-family housing wherever we do. No more. No more. Uh-uh. It's inefficient. It's not a good way for the environment. And to put high-density, multi-tenant housing into your suburbs and expand the control of the city out into your Beltway suburbs as far as they can, stripping those localized su suburban autonomies down to almost nothing. And they also want, then, to take all this beautiful nature that you, th you feel like, well, then that's so that we can go see deers. And no, to tell you, you can't go there, and you can't do anything there. It's much harder to do that if that land is occupied by people who are building something worthy of having and taking care of the environment. Because I am an environmentalist. I don't believe in the environmentalism of the state. But I certainly believe in caring for the earth and caring for people through good care of the earth. And doing sustainable and regenerative agricultural practices. My property, you know what, in wintertime is when you can really tell. This is when you can really tell. You drive down my road and everybody's, because it's you know winter in Texas, it's the dark, everything's brown. You, you look and there's this glowing green because of what we've done to regenerate the land. So I'm not anti-environmental. This, this is not environmental, this idea of shoving all these people in these cities. Because what is the number one export of any large city? Do you know what it is? Garbage. Number two, sewage. If you put people on, like, I don't have any waste from our sewage that goes anywhere. We have a septic system that can handle the, the entire, it's a natural system. If you think about it, deer and elk and everything and bears run around in the woods and they shit all the time and there's never a problem. Why? There's enough space for that organic matter to break down and actually make fertility. When you put 80,000 people in one building like they're doing in Asia and they plan to do that here next... And you make a, a building that's literally a standing city where people can be born in the building and never leave the building their whole life. Where does that waste go? It cannot be processed where it is, so it has to be exported. So it's not good for the environment. But th this, and I'll leave it to you. Maybe one day I'll do a whole show dedicated to Agenda 21. But I'll just tell you, it is the, it is the, it is the most anti-freedom thing 
for humanity that's ever been proposed. And it's actively being done mostly by local city governments. And the more you're into one of these kind of, the most progressive cities have the biggest flashpoints. Think of the, if I say, what city do you most not want to be in right now? The first one that comes to most people's mind is Portland. And then it will be a toss-up between L.A. and Seattle and San Francisco. Those are your four. Four most progressive cities in the country. And they have the problems of the riots, but they also have the most propensity to do this type of zoning and planning, which is designed to stratify people into classes, to divide people racially. It is, it is I'll just leave it at that. That's another reason to get out. Next, um, the state's shown you that it won't do the one thing that we can justify its existence with. Protect your life, liberty, and property. You've, you've seen it. You have massive riots going on. Buildings burning. Morons on CNN and MSNBC saying, it's fiery, but mostly peaceful protest. It sounds like a Babylon Bee headline. It wasn't. They The guy was standing in front of a building that was burning, and they put that up. You know, little words they put up on the screen? They put that words up, and they said, fiery, but mostly peaceful protesting. And the cops stand there and do nothing. Guy picks up a brick, hurls it through a shop window. Cops stand there and do nothing. Is it because the cops suck? Some cops suck, some cops don't. But that's not that's not why that's happening. That's not the reasoning behind why why that's happening. No. That's happening because the people in command, the people in charge, decided we're not going to do anything. So why would you build your life in a place where one of the things that you love the most and work the hardest for would be attacked, they will not be defended? And I know, look, that ego come in. I'll defend it myself. But you won't. You won't. Now, if you're far enough out that there's enough breakdown by the time it gets to you, then you can drop the hammer. And I think some of you don't think I'm for, I've said it so many times, I don't know how, but you think I'm not for dropping the hammer. All you guys that are like, well, I'm a soldier and I was in the airborne. I am also a former airborne soldier myself. It is very easy for me to get caught up in the same emotion many of you are and want to be like, I'll kill their ass. And if I have to, I will. But I don't want to ever take a life unless I have to. And I certainly don't want to ever take a life in a way that will destroy my own life at the same time. Because you could say, well, I'm defending what I've built. But you can't defend what you've built when you're in a prison cell. And they will put you in prison. You have to set yourself up so that if and when the time comes, that you at least have a chance of proving yourself justified in your actions. You, you, you really do. And the state has shown they won't protect you. And they've specifically shown you where they will not protect you. It, it, the contrast couldn't be more different. Right here in my own backyard. You know, 30 miles away in Dallas, fires, bricks through windows, riots. Right down here in Fort Worth, much closer. No problems. I'm not saying there'll never be any problems, but we ain't had no problems yet. And that's because our little mousy mayor, Betsy Price, just let it be known that business owners have a right to defend themselves. So not only do you have to be willing to defend yourself, you need to be in a place where you can defend yourself 
without being attacked by the people who were supposed to defend you and didn't. And you know now. You know. Minneapolis, they won't protect you. Philadelphia, not going to protect you or your property. Seattle, Portland, L.A., San not going to protect you or your property. So you're building something in a place where it's very vulnerable, very weak, and very subject to being attacked. Plus, what's your business worth if the city that you build it in is destroyed? Who's going to buy anything from you? When all the productive people left, what are you defending? Some of you talk about defending what you have, but you're defending it the way, what are you going to do, defend it from a, we have tornadoes here in Texas. When a tornado comes, you take shelter. You don't get out there with an AR-15 shoot a tornado. Some of you don't understand the, the giant macroeconomic impact on these cities is worse than a tornado. Hell, the damage from the riots is worse than a tornado. Next, the restrictions that these places, you have, have you noticed all these places are the ones with the stupid level restrictions on COVID? I have to tell you, I wish, te I wish Texas would man up and open up all the way, but our lives have not been that different here. They really haven't. I think part of what I teach people to build is why, because I have this beautiful backyard and all these food systems and everything. But, like, want to go to a restaurant? We'll go to a restaurant. Maybe half the tables are closed, but we we'll go to a restaurant. You don't want to wear a mask? Unless you go inside, like, a store, you don't wear a mask. No one's running around bothering anybody or harassing anybody. And I'm going to tell you, I think COVID is dying. And the media and the government's putting on a life support. But we can, we're going to get to a point where there is no COVID cases at all, and New York is still going to be locked down, and Oregon is still going to be locked down, and Washington is still going to be locked down, unless you're rioting. Now, if you're rioting, magically COVID's not a problem. But everybody else, locked down. And again, the places that value your freedom the least have shown themselves for who and what they are. They are not worthy of your presence, your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's a republic for a reason. If you want to defeat these places, leave. Leave. I mean, there's been great battles in history where ego drove a general who just had to wait to attack and they were defeated. All they had to do is wait. You got the enemy where you want them. Enemy can't get resupplied. All you got to do is wait. They'll starve to death. They'll surrender. But ego drove them to attack, and they ended up defeated. That's where these cities are at. They cannot sustain themselves without the productive people. There's we think of the class system of like you know like the the poor, the lower class, the lower middle class, the middle middle class, the upper. There's not. That's not really the class system in America. You have a parasitic class and a productive class. If you want to starve the parasite, take away the host. You want to fix these cities? Get everybody that's useful in them to leave them, to, to wallow in their own squalor. And eventually, they'll collapse. How did Ronald Reagan defeat the Soviet Union? I know it really fell apart under Bush, but it was Reagan's that did it. Did he do it by attacking them? 
Or did he do it by building this country to the best and most prosperous it could be? Having a massive defense that made it like, well, you can do whatever you want over there, but you better leave us to hell alone. And letting the system collapse under its own weight. That's what you do to these cities. You make every place else incredibly successful. And you win the war of ideology through proof by action. That's how you do this. Next, there's never been a better time to move. There's actually never been a better time to move than right now. It's as easy as it's ever been. There are so many options available with remote work. And even if you, do, if you don't have a job where you can work remotely yet, there's so many opportunities to find a job where you can work remotely. There's never been so many companies so willing to hire people to work remotely as there are right now. Yes, jobs are tougher to find, but when you, if you're good at what you do. You know, I do a podcast for a living. That's why you're listening to me today, and thank you for it. But, I mean, with my knowledge, the reason I built this successfully It's because I spent a lot of my life as a public speaker, so I was good at that. And I'm passionate about what I do, and I wanted to do it. If I just wanted to make money, if I just wanted to make money with what I know about Internet marketing, I could have four or five dropship products. I don't have to be out here producing a podcast every day, videos every day, all this educational material. I don't have to do this. Nothing requires me to do this other than that I love it and I want to help people. I know that might sound a little bit you know, overly altruistic or something, but it's true. That's the only reason that I do what I do. So what I'm getting at is if you can't get a job working remotely, build a business. There's so much, there's so much opportunity for hustle. I'm not saying move in the middle of nowhere. So you can move somewhere and start doing DoorDash and Uber Eats and deliveries for Amazon and shit like that. Like, boom, like that. You get the right kind of property and you have the ability to rent out some space for camping. You can use HipCamp. There's a freaking website called Rover where you can pet sit for... There's so many ways to hustle money until you figure out what you want to do. Build a business, find a, find a career, find a job that allows you to have the freedom that you want. It's never been easier. Never been easier. And COVID is going to wane off. And if you go to the right places where they still have services like Uber and Lyft, you can do that. There's so much opportunity to do something until you establish yourself into what you really want. And it's never been easier. 20 years ago, 80% of the shit you can do to start making money the minute you drop into a location didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. Or you can build a lifestyle business like I have. If that's if you're good at it and it's what you want to do, then, then by all means do it. Never been easier. Here's the, here's the catch. It will not get easier from here. It will get harder. Everything about this is going to get harder. This is the pinnacle of opportunity. There is some difficulty because of COVID, but there's, there's an offsetting opportunity because of it. Whenever there's problems, those who can solve them can prosper. And, boy, we have some problems right now. Let's talk about now about well, where do you go? How do you figure it out? First of all, I will find some episodes that I've previously done about finding the right property, et cetera, and I will link to them in the notes for you. So you can listen to some of the older podcasts where I get very specific uh, on that. But it really comes down to you and what you want. And, and that's what I'm proposing. I'm not pose, proposing running away from what you want. My, my belief is for the vast majority of people, even those objecting to this, if you live in one of these places, you don't have what you want. Because what you want isn't there. 
Because the, the, the word that's spoken almost to the level of worship from the segment of people that would even listen to something like this is freedom. Is freedom. In the old Star Trek, James T. Kirk, you know, William Shatner Star Trek, there's a, a, uh, an episode where they find this planet and it's like a mirror of Earth, but things worked out differently and it's all tribal. And the one group is called the Combs, and it's actually the communists. And then there's these very warlike tribal people, but they're all a bunch of white guys. And in dealing with them, I think it's Kirk says the word freedom. And the guy perks up and goes, that's a worship word. And it, it, it is almost a worship word. And in any way that that word could possibly be meant, and I know some of you will take offense to that because it's false idols or whatever. I don't mean it that way. I mean that it's held in the highest esteem by people who don't even know what it means anymore. It's like a giant carrot out in front of the donkey, but you're never going to get there because the more you move toward it, the more it moves away from you in these places. So you want freedom, and that has to start out. Like I call them the two most co-important factors. Number one is the people around you. So if you find a place that has the freedom that you're looking for, you'll probably find that the people around you in that place are people that you want to be around. Because in the end, in our system of government, in this country, the people actually do get what they want. Unfortunately, it falls under what our founders said they were trying to avoid but failed to do so, is what's known as the tyranny of the majority. The tyranny of the majority, especially at the local level. The systems of checks and balances that are nowhere near strong enough at the federal level are almost non-existent at the local level. A, a, a 1% majority can pretty much ro railroad everybody else in a neighborhood or a borough or a township or a city or a county, 1%. So if you want to own chickens, don't move someplace where you can't have a chicken and then try to have a chicken. Find a place where you can already do the things that you want to do. When I bought a place, I bought a place up in Arkansas years ago that we lived in for a while. And we were up there looking around, and I'm like, boy, it sure looks like I could shoot my guns up here without any problems. And real estate agent goes, well, maybe, I'm not sure. About three seconds later, up at the top of the hill, we hear, kind of, you could tell it was like measured target practice. And I went, well, I know I'm going to be happy living here. This is my kind of place. If you want a place, if you're a religious person and you're of a particular faith, pick a place with a couple churches that are of that, of that persuasion. That means you're, if there's, if you go to a place and there's, you know, one of this church, one of that church, one of this church, and there's four of, let's say, if you're Methodist, and Methodist churches, there's probably a lot of Methodists there. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody else, but if that's important to you, look for what, look for people who are already thinking the way that you think. Because otherwise, you're an outsider coming in trying to change things. And I want to say something, too, real quick here. I, shut up, please. Shut up with this. All them liberals are going to move to your state and ruin it. My state doesn't have a problem with liberals coming from somewhere else. Our cities are making liberals. Dallas, Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. Houston less so, but parts of Houston are like liberal factories. And you know why? The schools. The schools are doing it. 
They're, and they've done it for multiple generations, and they keep getting better at it. You said the school system's a failure. It's a failure if you expect it to do the job of educating your children to think critically. But if you, if, if you judge it based on what the state has always wanted it to do, teach statist thinking from a leftist agenda, they work perfectly, and they keep getting better at doing it. That's why when you say, well, the schools are better here. Better at what? Teaching liberal agendas? So Dallas is my problem when it comes to liberals. Austin is my problem when it comes to liberals. People that move here from California, not because somebody sold a factory and moved to here and they had to, people that are like, screw California, I've had enough and they've come here, they're my allies. They're, they think a hell of a lot more like me than a lot of the people in Austin do. I need them. And I'm suggesting that you look for places that think the way that you do when you go there. That's one way you make the decision. The next thing, and it's the co-important factor, because these are equally important, is knowing what you want in the first place. Most people don't know what they want. That's why they live life so aimlessly. Have you ever thought about this? Every day, ships leave ports, travel across vast oceans, and arrive exactly where they're supposed to arrive, exactly when they're supposed to arrive. So a ship leaves Tokyo Harbor. In, in Japan, and sails to San Francisco. You know, on Thursday, at 1,530 hours, it arrives exactly where it was supposed to. How? Because the captain knew my goal is to go from here to here. This is the, 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 the flow of the currents. This is the weather. This is everything else. And I want to be in this place at this time. So knowing the capabilities of his ship and charting a course and using all of his navigational capabilities, he goes where he's supposed to go. Don't you think you should live your life that way? And don't you think when it comes to choosing a place to go, you should think that way? Not just, oh, well, Texas is better, so I'll move there. Better at what? What do you want? What do you want in the way of climate? What do you want in the way of people? Texas is a big place. If you take Texas on the map and you move it to the southern tip of Texas, touches the Oklahoma border, the top of Texas touches damn near Canada. And that's just one way across the state. It's another 800 miles going the other way across the state. So even if it's Texas, Texas where? Austin's a hell of a lot different than Fort Worth. Houston, what? which Houston? Which part of Houston? If you want to be near a city. You want to be in the ocean, there's a, there's a coast. But Texas isn't in Florida. Great state. Tennessee is a great state. Consider the Free State Project in New Hampshire, amazing place, totally different. But even within those places, then you find that, that group of people, that area that's already predisposed to what you want, but you first have to figure out what it is. And I know that sounds nuts, but most people don't know what they really want. I can't tell you how many people I've had that are unhappy. So what do you want? And then they're like, well, I want this. But when you say, okay, let's get specific, they don't know. They don't know. Spend some time with yourself and ask yourself what you really want. Design your life. Remember, quote of the day by Jeff Lawton, if you're not having fun, you have the design wrong. Well, it starts, the design start with knowing the end and then putting the pieces together to get there. Next, um, many times the move is not as radical as people seem to think. Two miles down the road is HOA hell. If I lived there, I never would. But had I had I taken a different path, and I ended up in one of those McMansions down there, 
with an acre and a half of land that I can't do anything with that I want to. I'd only have to move down the street two miles to get to a place like this. That's all I'd have to do. And in other situations, you need to get the hell out of your state. You couldn't pay me to live in New York State. And that's sad, really. Man, there's some beautiful places in New York State. The Finger Lakes region is unbelievably gorgeous. A lot of the things that I love to do from a standpoint of, you know, gardening and farm forestry and stuff is so much easier in New York. But I'm not letting New York State tax my income. I'm not doing that. So you have to figure out what you want, and then you have to move appropriately to meet that. Next. You really should factor in geographic arbitrage. I've had people tell me, well, you know, I looked into it, and if I move to such and such place, which seems like a really great thing, I'm going to make $20,000 less a year. And my response to that is always, how much less money will you, give, will you keep? What? How much less money will you keep? It's not how much you earn. It's how much you keep that matters. So a lot of times people might even end up taking a pay cut because, yes, it pays less to do your same profession in this other place because the cost of living is lower. But where's the differential greater? If the cost of living differential is greater than the cost of income differential, you just got to raise making less money. And by the way, in our screwed up communist progressive tax system, your federal income taxes, may you may drop in tax bracket and pay less taxes on top of it at the federal level, not just the local and state level. What's a house cost? If your house payment in one place is $2,500 a month and you can get a better house with a house payment of $1,600 a month, you just got a $900 income increase. Really? And then strive to maximize that. And boy, think about entrepreneurship. Because I, I say this all the time, but the tax code is huge. It's this giant book. It's bigger than two of the old school yellow pages from a major city. People are like, wow, look at all that mess. Look at all that ways that they tax me. If you think that the tax code is that big so they can tax the shit out of you, you need to get a better CPA and a better understanding of what the tax code is. The actual part of the tax code that tells you what you have to do is about 10% of it. So what's the other 90% tell you how to do? It tells you how to get out of doing it. They wrote it for themselves. All the laws, all the codes are not written by congressmen. Most of those people have never authored, even the ones I passed 20 bills, they never wrote a bill in their life. Corporations, rich people, hire lobbyists who write bills and give them to these people who put their names on them and submit them through the party dues system that the lobbyist pays for so that the congressman can get credit for bringing the bacon home to his district. That's how it works. So do you think all those companies and corporations want to pay taxes? So when you think when they're incentivizing all these new tax codes and things like that, do you think they're doing it so that they will pay more taxes? Why do you think wealthy people, wealthy liberals are always like, oh, you should go ahead and tax me more, you know, Warren Buffett or whatever. Do you know why they say that? Because they're not going to pay it. They don't give a shit what their tax rate is. You can make their tax rate 90%. It doesn't matter. They're not going to pay it. You can tax them at 99%. They're not going to pay it because they know to focus on, they know to pay people for them, their accountants and their tax attorneys, 
and their attorneys, their structural attorneys that structure their corporations to focus on the 90%. So they're not going to pay it. So they don't care what the tax rate is. If you go back and look at a time like when Kennedy was president, when the, the, the tax, the top tax rates were through the roof, if you look at what's called the marginal tax rate, how much the wealthy actually paid, it's the same as it is today. The tax looks on the front end four times higher, but the actual marginal rate that they actually paid was the same. They know to do that. You need to learn to do that too. And part of the structure is don't put yourself in a place where you start out 15% in the hole because you're paying income taxes to California and the city of San Francisco. Use that geographic arbitrage to your advantage and use that tax strategy to your advantage. Um, one big thing, though, and in my shows where I've gone deep into picking a place to go to, do not pick a place based on numbers and maps and Internet pictures alone. Narrow down a couple places that you think make sense for you and then go there. Do not go there and be the tourist that looks at all the tourist sites. Go there and find out, if you like pizza, what's the local pizza place that people hang out in? Have a picture of beer in. You know, if you like churches, find that church or that, that temple, synagogue, whatever, that fits what you do and go there. If you're in some sort of fr you know fraternal organization, Find the fraternal organization there and go be part of it, at least as a visitor. What I'm saying is go live in a place. Instead of saying at the Holiday Inn, get on Airbnb and find a house in a neighborhood or an area that's similar to what you can afford and where you would live and go move into that house for a week. Experience it as though you live there before you choose to live there so you know what you're doing. I think so many people that end up deciding this was a bad move for me wouldn't have ended up there if they had done that with two or three places. And people are like, well, it's expensive or whatever. It's the rest of your life. It's an investment. Definitely visit. And that's one of the things I mentioned, Free State Project. That's their big thing right now. They're like, come visit New Hampshire. And you can go to fsp.org forward slash visit NH and learn more about that. And what I what I really like about you considering that, and I'll, you know, I'll be clear, I'm not going. I've supported these people for a long time. I love what they do. But New Hampshire and me, when I did the all calculus of where I want to live based on my family and my desires and freedoms and climate and everything else, because I don't really like it cold. I'll just be honest with you. I don't, I don't like the heat, but I really, I, I really, really, really don't like the cold. So it's not for me, but if, if, it's, if you're open to it, what I love about that is if you get in touch with them, they'll be like, well, what part of state you want to visit? If you're like, I don't know, they'll say, well, let me tell you some different regions and let me hook you up with some people. And when you come, then people that will actually say, hi, my name is Tom and I'm here to greet you. And hey, let's go to dinner together and I'll tell you about the, like you have that infrastructure in place there. If you can do anything to find and tie into things like that, you know, do it in other places. Get involved in social media beyond sharing an article that's designed to upset somebody. Get involved with our groups at the Survival Podcast, like our MeWe group, the Survival Podcast Hangout. Go post there. Say, hey, I, I'm thinking about going to fill in the blank. Anybody from there? Can you tell me anything about it? 
Like, what would be a good time to come? Where should I stay? You know, are there job opportunities? Get in our Telegram group. I'll put a link in the notes today for our our, uh, our TSP uh, and our Unloose the Goose Telegram groups. Check out John Bush's Freedom Cells. I'll put a link for that today, too. Start tying into networks of people in these places before you go there. And that way you'll have a better experience and a better, you'll be able to do a better job of figuring out if these are the right places for you. My final thoughts today are pretty simple. You and your family deserve to be free. And this ego that gets in people's way with, I'm not going to run away. Do you think the people during the height of the Cold War, that risked everything to get over the Berlin Wall, were cowards? Do you? Do you think that the members of the underground, like my, my family, during World War II in Holland, that risked everything to help get Jews out of Europe to safety, were aiding cowards? Do you think Cubans who got into a boat that really wasn't worthy of going across a lake and crossed an ocean to get to Florida were cowards that were running away? Or do you think they were people that believed so much in freedom that they said this is worth the risk and it's worth the cost to have more? Well... I've said this before, but like one of the states that really is not worthy of your presence and your time and your money is New Jersey. And I can say whatever I want about New Jersey because I was born there. Yep, I was born in New Jersey. Red Bank. The Delaware River is not the Berlin Wall. But that doesn't mean that you might not see it the same way. Simply a geographic impediment to a better life. Maybe Pennsylvania is not the place to land. But if you give me a choice between Pennsylvania and New Jersey, I'm telling you, at least I'm going to go to the state that believes that I'm mentally capable of pumping my own gasoline. And I'm going to go to a place, you know, in Pennsylvania, if you have a house that you pay $1,500 a year in property taxes on, in New Jersey, that equivalent house will cost you about $10,000 in property tax. How's that for geographic arbitrage? For crossing the Delaware River? Hell, Washington crossed it, right? I guess he went the other way. But if Washington can cross it in the middle of a blizzard on Christmas Eve to kill the British, you can cross it to lower your property taxes. And that's what like people say, well, I believe in America, I love America. I do too. And that's what makes America great. If you want to know what really creates more opportunity in America than any place else in the world. It's not just that we're a republic. Please stop that shit. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. We are a democracy and we are a republic. We are a representative democracy in the form of a constitutional republic. And if, if we weren't a democracy in the way that you mean it when you say that, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we do. Well, so we can defend individual rights. Well, how's that working out for you? Here's how it actually works in a, in a republic the size that we have with the diversity that we have. When a place in that republic treats money poorly, money leaves. I was going to say freedom or whatever, but you can you can look at it. 
And the worse a place treats money, the worse they treat people. And money leaves. When money is treated poorly, it goes elsewhere. I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump, but one of the things I can say for him is he knew that a big part of why we had so many companies in this country doing business in other nations is because we were treating money poorly. Do you really think a major American brand wants to do business in China? Now, it's one thing to do business in China to sell to China. I don't mean that. Do you, do you really think a major brand looks at it and goes, you know what, we would just be better off if we were doing business in Beijing? Of course they don't. They went there because no matter how shitty the communist government was, China was treating their money better than America was treating their money. It wasn't just about cheap labor. It wasn't just it, labor is the small number in that factor, in that equation. Because money ain't just about taxes. It's about the cost of regulation. And what's brought a tremendous number of companies back to America and a, tumber, a tremendous number of foreign companies into America to develop business in America is we started treating money better. Okay, that applies to how New Jersey treats money versus how Texas treats money. Texas treats my money better. So even though I was born in New Jersey, I live in Texas. And guess what? I have money. And the more money a person has, the more likely they are to choose to move themselves and their money from a place that treats it poorly to a place that treats it well. And the, the, you, if you think you're going to alter this country fundamentally through voting, you are a fool. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Your vote is not as important as they have convinced it to you. And I know it's the most important election of our lifetime. Again. And next time... It will be the most important election of our lifetime, again. The, the, the way you have influence in this country is by being successful and choosing the location and the place that you be successful in. You do not get your school's attention. To, to break it down another way. You go to your school board meeting and you bitch about something. They pander to you, but they don't actually change anything. No one actually cares. The school board doesn't give a shit. The principal of your school doesn't give a shit. You go have a teacher conference or a, a principal conference. Or, they don't give a shit. They tell you they do, but they don't really care because they don't do anything any differently. You know when you get their attention? I'm notifying you that I'm removing my, my child from your school. Are you moving? Are they going to a different district? No, I'm just going to homeschool now. Goodbye. And you leave the seat empty. Because the seat, when it's empty, it costs the money. And now you have their attention. You can write Andrew Como or Mayor de Blasio in New York all you want. They don't care. When you pack your shit and you take your money and you leave, now they care. You want to fundamentally change this country? Take all the productive people from all the places that don't appreciate you being productive and go somewhere that does. And if that place starts screwing up, leave there too. And you say, we have no place left to go. Doesn't work that way. See the shining sea, baby. This is a big place. This is a big place. We have way too, that is our strength. 
Our diversity is our strength, and not the way the left means it. Our diversity in that there is always a place that is more like you than a place that's less like you where you can go to. You don't need a passport. You don't need a work visa. Our nation is like 50 countries in some ways. And some of our states are that diverse. It's literally like moving to a new country. So know a little bit about it. Learn the local language. Come here to Texas. We talk a little different. It'll be easy. But find a place that deserves you. And then build the life that you want. Build the life that you've dreamed of now. Because you ain't getting no younger. Make the most of your dash. We all have a terminal disease called life. The longer we live, the closer we get to the grave. There's no getting around that. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the video now. We'll close the podcast here in just a second. But that's my final thoughts, guys. Build the life you deserve because you do deserve it. You deserve it. In fact, I'll tell you something that's going to sound like entitlement attitude if you've never heard it from me before. It's not. Because you wait for the second half before you get all frazzled here at the end. You deserve everything that you want in your life for yourself and your family. Everything. You deserve it. Here's the other side. You just haven't done the work yet. With that, we have wrapped up another episode of the Survival Podcast. And uh, I want to remind you there's a couple ways that you can help support us in the work that we do. Number one way that you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work that we do here is to become a member of the MSB. That's the Member Support Brigade. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. You can sign up there, get discounts, use the discounts, and then the membership pays for itself. Most of our members tell me that they actually make money by being a member. They come out ahead to the end of the year. Maybe over a full year, they save $130. bucks. they paid $50 to be a member. It just made you $80. Doesn't that make sense? So consider becoming a member today. The other way to do it is to do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z.com. There's really, if you like this show, there's no reason not to do that. I mean, because it doesn't, I mean, you type that in and then you click a link and you shop from there and you help support us. Uh, our item of the day today is the uh, Anchor uh, Bluetooth uh, Soundcore Q10 headphones. I brought them around today because... My price alert went off, and they're on sale again for 30 bucks. I do not think they are equivalent to a, like a $300 pair of Beats, but I do think that they're equivalent to about anything under $150 for 30 bucks. And they normally sell between 40 to 45 dollars. And I keep them up on on T-Spaz because they're a good deal at that price. But at 29.95, they're like discount bottom end basement priced for a premium quality uh, set of Bluetooth headphones. Now, these are not buds. These are over-the-ear headphones, which is great because they are great at noise canceling. Uh, they fold up, and they I'll tell you the thing that's blown me away about them. The charge time. It is stupid. It's fully charged. It's like 48 hours of playtime. But let's say you screw up. You screw up and you, you, you run them out and you don't plug them in. I've tested this. This claim is valid and I don't even understand it. If you plug them in for five minutes, they will give you about five hours of playtime. 
That, that's crazy. And I know it's September, and Christmas seems a long way off, but ain't nobody who likes music or listens to podcasts wouldn't like a pair of these. And they're on sale for 30 bucks, and you could just knock that out way in the future for people. Uh, this kind of thing anybody would like. And you know what? You know that Val icon we have, our logo of the Survival Podcast with the headphones? They kind of look like that. Uh, these are red and black. Those are the ones that are on sale for 30 bucks. There's also an orange and blue if you're a Florida Gators fan and a pure black. They're usually a little bit more money. They're like 60 bucks a pair. They're on sale right now for 35 bucks. You can find them all at tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com, where you can help us out no matter what you buy just by starting your shopping there. That brings us to our song of the day. So with that, let's let's take a look at our song of the day. This is uh, it, it's a song I, I, I bet most of you have just never heard before. It's by a guy named Patrick Dolan. He's kind of an independent artist, and he's he's okay. He's not it's not the most amazing musician or anything like that. Uh, it, it's a pretty standard kind of country song, uh, but it fits today's episode, and it 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 let me it lets me talk about a piece of what we were talking about today that so many people allow to get in their way of living the life they really want to live. Uh, again, the song's called uh, Let's Move to the Country. And it was inspired, he visited um, his brother and his brother's girlfriend in a mountain home in North Carolina near Asheville. Asheville is a beautiful, if you've ever been to the area, it's where the Biltmore home is. It is just an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, amazing place. And it inspired him to, to write the song about this dream of someday living that simple life in the country. And I'll give you one stanza from it. And this is what I'm talking about, letting things get in your way. He said, if we could leave tomorrow for a cabin on a mountain stream, but this city has a hold on us, so for now we'll have to dream. We'll have to dream. I like it and I hate it, that stanza. The reason I like it is the entire song, in context, you can tell this is something we're working towards. We're trying to get here. It's not just a dream. It's a dream that is a motivation that we're working towards so that we can achieve it. That's at least how it comes off. Now, is the artist really doing that? I, I don't know. But that line, but this city has a hold on us. Often the things that hold us back are those dreams that I talk about with walls in your dreams. There's a funny thing about dreams. A lot of times people have dreams and they get to be lucid in the dream. That means you realize, hey, this is a dream. And you can do things like fly. And as soon as you fly, you're like, okay, this is a dream because I can't really fly. But sometimes you'll have a dream with a wall and you realize it's a dream. You try to walk through the wall, you can't. Sometimes it's like pushing into a pillow. It's kind of soft and it gives, but it won't go. Sometimes it's hard and you just can't get through it. And it's ridiculous because it's a dream. You should be able to walk through a wall in your dreams. Well, who put that wall there? How did that wall in your dream get there? You put it there. Some part of your brain decided to create a wall, to create a structure. You see it as a wall. And because you see it as a wall, even though it's not real, you can't get through it. And in time, you can train yourself, even in your dreams, to see that wall and either make it disappear. And then you have to create something on the other side of it for that to happen. Or you can put a door in it. Or you can actually teach yourself to walk through the wall. To, to teach yourself that the wall really doesn't stop you. 
So many of these things that have a hold on us that make us think we'll have to wait till someday. Someday we'll be able to do this. Someday we'll be able to have this. Someday, someday, someday. So many of those things are those kinds of walls. They're fake. They're phantoms. They're not real. It doesn't mean that there's not some hard things that need to be done. But if what you really want involves going somewhere else, like I said, you only get so big of a dash. You're getting older every day. And, you know, a funny thing is how something that's a truth is universal across multiple things. I've talked a lot about homeschooling lately. And I said that Sue LaPriest told my wife when she was worried about whether we could really do this or not. She said, Dorothy, there is nothing that you can do to make a child learn something that they don't want to learn. And there's nothing you can do to stop a child from learning something that they do want to learn. That's true. But it doesn't just apply to children. It applies to people. Since we're talking about kids, when we're talking about homeschooling, we... we, we we address it that way, something a child. But the truth is there's nothing you can make a person learn that they don't want to learn. And there's nothing you can prevent a person from learning that they do want to learn. So then I'll just simply ask you, if what you really want is to change your life for the better, whether it be by moving like we talked about today or any other way, is there a way that can happen? Does there, is, there, is there a solution to that problem? Does, does any said solution exist? Well, the answer is obviously yes. People do it every day. So if you simply want to learn how to do it, once you really decide, I want to figure out how, I want to learn how to make this happen, nothing, nothing can prevent you from learning how. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Load the truck, move to the country Leave the city far behind Plant the garden and live simply And grow our peace of mind We'll rise early and speak softly Watch the sun poke to the pine trees And breathe the country air If we could believe tomorrow For a cabin on a mountain stream But this city has a hold on us So for now we'll have to dream We'll have to dream The alarm clock wakes us and we hurry Still got bills to pay You chase the train, I hit the highway As we count down the days One day closer to the country
tree One day closer to the dream Of you and I living simply In a cabin on a mountain stream If we could believe tomorrow For a cabin on a mountain stream This city has a hold on us So for now we'll have to dream We'll have to dream Dream. We'll have to dream.